the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You and I here in America, we are conditioned to avoid persistence. We don't want to offend or stumble anybody by our persistence. The Bible, not so much. Hi there. Welcome to today's broadcast of Truth For Today and our series, Parables from the Book of Luke, as we continue our look at some of the more profound parables here in Luke. One of them is here in chapter 18, verses 1 through 8, Persistence in Prayer. You know, oftentimes we are told, oh, don't bother him. You'll just make him angry. But here in God's Word, we are told to bother God and be persistent in doing so until we get an answer. We'll explore this dynamic together here today on Truth For Today. Here's Pastor Phil. Luke 18, it's it's a wonderful thing that Jesus tells a story that involves a woman and uh, to encourage us to pray. And uh, we want to look at this. Let me read it to you. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out, to him day and night. Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith? And it's really, will he find the faith on the earth? Uh, let me set the context. You go back to Luke seventeen twenty, and Christ begins to tell them, His men, I am going to die. I must suffer. Verse 25. And then he says, he just seems to jump from his death to his coming. And he tells them, but I'm going to be coming back again. But it's going to be as in the days of Noah. Remember Lot's wife. Be sure you don't turn back to the things of this world while I'm gone. And he begins to tell them about his coming And he begins to develop in Luke 21 and other places. I'm going to die. I'm going to leave. I'm going to come again. 
And in between, you're going to face hard times. You're going to face persecutions. You're going to face pressure. You're going to have all kinds of perils. And it's going to be a tough waiting period for you. Of course, all those he's talking to are martyred, except for uh, who's in the John? Uh, he lived, he outlived. They tried to kill him, but tradition says the oil wouldn't boil, that they tried to boil him in. So John survives, but all the others are executed for their faith. And the whole book of Acts tells of a suffering church. And God will always bring enough suffering into the life of the church to remind you, don't get in love with this world. It's not your native habitat anymore. It's full of pressures in which we groan, longing for a new body and a new home. That is just, you'll have enough so you won't get married to it. God will keep that going. So in the meantime, he's going to tell them this parable. In the meantime, you're going to face this problem. You're going to be tempted over and over to lose heart, to throw in the towel, to resign, to uh, get out, give up, walk away from the faith, walk away from being my disciple. And he begins to tell them, what you must do while you wait in perilous times. What you must do while pressures are upon you. And you want to write a letter of resignation. You want to quit the Sunday school class, quit the ministry, even maybe quit the Christian life. Who wants to belong to anything that brings you more pressure? And uh, I want to say something It's a story of persistence in prayer. It's going to be a story that he tells us that we learn not by comparison, but by contrast in a way. But let me say some things to you about uh, persistence in any good work. Uh, The Duke of Wellington was asked after the Battle of Waterloo, in which he defeated Napoleon. He was asked to give his appraisal of the two armies and how they had done, and said, please comment on their courage. And this is what the duke said. They were both courageous armies. My soldiers were not braver than the enemy, he observed, but they were braver for five minutes longer. Staying power at anything that is good is admired. We often admire the great feat of the athlete who in a moment sets a world's record or in a moment does something so phenomenal being recorded on a camera that we forget all the agony it led to that one feat. To be a great athlete is a long assignment in discipline, endurance, and pain. Reading the biography of Lance Armstrong, he said, From the broken home I came from, I learned to love pain, and I knew of no sport that could inflict more pain on me and challenge me than that of bicycling. So I thought, I've got enough anger and pain in me, I could endure the rigors of this athletic feat. And the rest is history. William Carey was being applauded for his great ministry in India. And he was being bragged upon at a uh, convention. 
And they were going on about his feats and what all he can do. He was finally brought to the podium and asked to reply to all the accolades. His reply was this. I can plod. I can persevere in any definite pursuit. To this I owe everything. Few people know what may be done until they try and persevere until they achieve it. I lay my whole ministry at the feet of God's grace that enabled me to keep going and not give up. Do you have any of that keep going in you? Perseverance is not a romantic concept. We would rather admire the exploit than to examine the endurance that made it possible. We would rather see Barry get a home run than to see how he's exercised all these years with or without steroids. You still have to see the ball. And you still have to swing the bat. Lombardi became famous in football legends by saying, tough, it's, it's tough. Can you imagine playing in Green Bay? I think they ought to give you a bonus just to sign up to play in Green Bay. Just the weather. There ought to be a million-dollar bonus. And he just told them, when it gets tough, the tough get going. We know it's going to be tough. And Jesus has told us over and over, it will be tough to live for God in a world that hates him. In the world, you will have tribulation. In the world, you will have pressures. In the world, you will face many things that you wish you could undo. And he's never deceived us about that. He told us the truth. So, he says something. The, the, the whole parable is said in verse 1. What does he say? Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them they should, and that's weak. In the Greek is they must. They must always pray or you will give up. No question about it. I don't care how good you think you are, how tough you think you are. If you don't learn to have a constant life of persistent praying, you will throw in the towel. Whether it's Christian service, Christian living, you'll come to say to hell with it all. I'm not going to live with it. And Christ knew it. He knew what the 19th centuries would be like. You will pray or you will fail. There's just no middle ground to it. Praying is the most essential thing to lasting in the Christian life of anything you do. Testimony, service, whatever. And it's the thing most everybody says, I have the hardest time doing. Because the battle is won or lost in the secret place, not on the public arena. You know, we think going there and throw a knockout punch. Friend, the battle is to get good enough to get in the ring. And what you did before you got in the ring will determine if you're standing after 10 rounds in the ring. It won't be what you did in the ring when you got in the ring. It's what you did before you got there. I want to tell you, it's what God's been doing in me before I get up here that really matters over the years. 
A great sermon for a moment will evaporate within two days. You won't even know the text. But I will know if this sermon is the product of this week or the product of 37 years of walking with this God. Praying. Why should we pray? It's essential for survival. It's essential. I'm not impressed with guys that know Greek and Hebrew. I know guys that can't have an ounce of impact because they know Greek and Hebrew, but they don't pray. I know guys with degrees who have lost their temperature. I know all kinds of ministry. You keep, I've seen charismatic personalities in the ministry. I've seen guys that can pack the place. I've seen guys that can get people to come forward on an invitation just by giving out ice cubes. They get anybody to respond. But I saw them not last. I asked, where are they? You know where they fell? They fell in the private place. Prayer. Their giftedness didn't keep them going. Matter of fact, the giftedness will undo them. They were so gifted they didn't need to pray. Jesus said, you must pray. The antidote to giving up is not less pressures, less persecutions. The only antidote he gave us was, I'm telling you, pray. Persist in praying because the only alternative is you'll throw in the towel. Uh, there's three areas I looked up in Scripture where this word to lose heart or give up is used. It's used in, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, I have got a ministry from God so that I do not lose heart. I do not throw in the towel. In verse 16, he says, we are persecuted, cast down, not warmly received. Uh, we've spent nights in the deep. Why didn't you throw in the towel? He said, God gave me this ministry. God is showing off his power in this weak little Jewish man going all over the Gentile world, suffering great, great pressures. And he said, I've continued because I know who sent me. I was there in Arabia when I personally talked with Christ. And the enemy wants to have all of us give up the ministry. But who gave you the ministry? He said in 2 Thessalonians, he tells the church, do not lose heart over my many tribulations. Don't let the sufferings of one of God's servants discourage you so that you want to throw in the towel. He said in Galatians 6, 9, do not become weary of well-doing. And the idea of the word weary, don't throw in the towel because you've gotten tired of doing good. Nobody appreciates what you're doing. Uh, nobody applauds. You've got more critics than you've got compliments. Uh, you've got more opposition than you're having success. Do not become weary in well-doing for you will reap in due time if you faint not. But how do you keep from fainting? Jesus says, pray or you will faint. It's the only thing in God's medicine box that I know that will keep you going. Uh, Let me say something to you about praying. Uh, You can never pray without benefit. You can never pray without benefit. And here's, remember this. What is greater, I think, in our prayer lives... What's greater than getting the things you ask for 
is what you get even before you get an answer. The Bible says, if I'll pray about my pressures, the first thing he gives me without an answer, without even asking for it, is peace. Be anxious for nothing. Pray about everything. And God shall guard your hearts with peace. He'll put a guard like a citadel around your heart. And you just say, man, we haven't got the money. We haven't got the answer. But, but, but I'm not as nervous as I was. I, I feel peace. And I, that feels crazy. Where'd you get it? It's one of the immediate benefits of praying. Whether you ever get what you ask for. Uh, Isaiah said it this way. If you show up, I'll guarantee you, I'll renew your strength. If you just show up, I'll renew you. They that wait upon the Lord, they renew their strength. Young men are fainting. Old men are falling out. Everybody's falling out, falling out. Why are they falling out? Nobody's waiting on him. And in the Hebrew, it's powerful. Those who wait on Yahweh shall exchange, exchange is the word, they shall exchange their strength. And the idea is they exchange their weakness for Yahweh's strength. And they mount up with wings as an eagle, and it's the wind that just bears them up. If I just show up to pray without any answer, just what it will do for me. Peace, renewal. Uh, If I'll pray... According to Peter, I will get someone who cares more about me than the cares that I'm carrying. Now, that's a good line. You ought to get that. You ought to be impressed. You got someone who cares more about you than the cares you are carrying. Casting all your cares on him. All you've done is cast. You've just emptied the, the, the care bag on God. And he says, that's all right. I can take care of you if you just show up. You can never lose by praying and showing up with God because something happens in us. It's amazing to me the disciples never asked Christ to teach them to preach. I've never been in a seminary. I think master's seminary is the only one I know of that they offer a class to teach how to pray. It's always how to preach. And we got some of the poorest preachers going with degrees I've ever heard. And they're wondering where the power is. They've got the alliteration. They've got four R's, a poem, and 15 gestures. And it's as dead as last year's bird's nest. You know what it is? No one taught them to pray and preach. Teach us to pray. If a man will pray, he can learn to preach. If you just want to preach and don't pray, God forbid you preach long. I'm highly biased about this area. I got the Bible that says pray without ceasing. And that is you never sign off. I got a verse in Ephesians that says praying at all times on all occasions. So he's saying above all, he just gives his principle right up front before he tells. Now he says, let me tell you a story to emphasize what I mean, how God views this praying. And he tells about an insensitive judge and a persistent widow. The judge is probably a uh, Gentile, uh, probably appointed by Herod. And uh, he would settle many Jewish matters without the Jewish offended person having to go to a higher Let's say getting to the Sanhedrin would be very, it'd have to be a very high case to get there. But many lesser matters that 
concern the Roman occupation and, and little spats, they had appointed judges. Now, this guy neither fears God, so he doesn't know God, and he's not impressed with people. He's just doing his job. Insensitive. The only thing he's interested in is bribes. And if someone comes before him with position and money, he's interested. But if you don't have any advantage when you come to his court, you don't have a lawyer, you have no males represented, women weren't even allowed in court. Women were a nuisance anyway. You just wanted to keep the race going, so God gave us women. No courtroom rights. No men in her life. Widowed. The average age of marriage in that culture was 14. So you had many young widows. You could be a widow in your 30s. So this woman's widowed, no men in her life, no advocates, no money to bribe with, no doubt a financial matter. And of all things, her case comes before a guy that's got a reputation. I don't fear God. I don't care about people. I care about bribes. And she keeps coming and daily, get her out, get her away, get her out, get her away. I like to imagine at night she's throwing rocks on his window, yelling outside on the street, I want you to hear my case. And the guy is going batty with this woman. Just keep showing because this is what she does. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, and the idea is she is wearing me out. She is on my, I'm about to have a nervous breakdown with somebody I don't even care about. A woman can do that, and so can grandchildren that won't take no for an answer. I love it in little children. Just uh, one of my grandchildren, Cole's, come on, Grandpa. He always wants to show me. I've seen it twice. I put in my grandfatherly duty. I want to rest. Come, come. He doesn't know what it means to say no. And and guess what? He usually wins. Because I just, it's not that I, in a great grandfatherly affection moment, I hope to get the boy to be quiet. Well, this widow, is, this, this judge moves without any virtue. No virtue going on. He wants relief from a nag, a person that won't go away. And so, says, if she keeps coming, there's a powerful word here. Uh, she keeps bothering me. I will see that she gets justice so that she will not wear me out. Do you know the word wear me out? I know you don't know. That's why I'm asking you. Most of you don't. It literally means to blacken the eye. The word for wear me out, and it became metaphorically used of wearing someone emotionally down. But it literally meant to blacken the eye. This woman is like giving me a black eye every time she sews up, keeps presenting her case, won't go away. She is emotionally wearing down an insensitive, uncaring judge. Now, Christ tells this story. Now, is God the Father an uncaring judge? No. It's a favorite rabbinic tradition. Use the argument from lesser to greater. It's a story in comparison and contrast. And the widow woman, one with no advocate, 
no advantage, no money, impossible case. And now Christ is talking to his own. Let's think this through. Let's compare who we come to. We come to a father, not our judge. We come to someone who calls us his elect children. I chose you. You're, you're special to me. You're, you're in a, a special category, a family affection. Uh, you come to one who said, if you call on me, I will hear you. We come to one who's invited us. Come, cast your burdens on me. I come to one who says, you'll find mercy with me. You'll find forgiveness with me. You'll find understanding. I've been told to come as his child. He's hurt if I don't come. And with that, we come to the end of our time together here on Truth For Today with our teacher and pastor, Pastor Phil Howard. As we close out our program today, we would invite you to contact us. Let us know how the broadcast has encouraged you, has ministered to your walk and relationship with Christ. Now, there are a couple of ways that you can contact us. By phone, obviously the easiest, 855-833-9864. Again, simply call 855 833-9864. You can also write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. 94547 is the zip code. Now, the easiest way to get in touch with us would be through our website, truthfortodayradio.org. Now, as you stop by, you'll be able to drop us an email, but then take advantage of the many resource materials we have available, again, there at truthfortodayradio.org. Or, again, simply call 855-833-9864. Would you also bear in mind this radio broadcast is available through listener support. As you link arms with us financially, we are able to continue the ministry here on this radio station. So please consider that as you contact us. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Message.